0: What's going on, my self-improver? It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development, one tip at a time. Today, I've got a treat for you. It's a self-improvement sit-down. Instead of the daily two-minute personal development insight I share every single day, in these interviews, I take my time speaking with industry leaders to learn more from their expertise. We've learned from world-changing founders, billionaires, best-selling authors, record-setting speakers, and people who have undergone incredible transformations to help us overcome our challenges and maximize our strengths. If you're looking for more personal development in your life, it doesn't get any more doable than this. Be sure to subscribe today. Well, as for now, get ready for an insightful, uplifting, and thought-provoking conversation. This is Self-Improvement Sit-Down number 54 with Matthew Morales. And we are live. Today's guest is Matthew Morales. Matthew is a coach, speaker, and leader who teaches about spiritual and financial freedom. His work inspires people on a cellular level, and I'm confident this conversation will as well. He's the author of a book that is soon to be released. It's titled Never Be Poor Again, and we'll get to dive into that and a lot more. But first, Matthew, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really, really excited to be here, Brian. Thank you.
0: As I mentioned uh, in your bio and kind of touching a little bit on your expertise, it's kind of at the intersection of spirituality and financial literacy. And the one word that I think kind of applies to both of those topics, and it's probably central to a lot of the things that you do, is the word abundance. So could you start by sharing what you've come to know and learn about abundance as it relates to our lives and our days. Oh, absolutely. Um,
1: you know, I will relate it to a principle to understand to finances and how we can relate to this, right? So we use different words. We say to be rich and to be wealthy, which are two different things. What's the difference? Well, to be rich is to have an abundance of money. And to be wealthy is to have an abundance of time. And we can have all the money in the world, but no time to do it with, right? And so really, that's what we're aiming for. We're hoping that health brings us an abundance of time. We're hoping that wealth brings us an abundance of time. And so that's where we focus. And that's where our abundance comes from when we focus on that. And it grows. And I truly, truly believe that's the intersection that people are missing.
0: I think that's an interesting correlation already that you're making, which is, you know, what is the role of finances? It's not strictly just to be able to buy the things that you want. Sure, you can you can shop around for things. That's something David Meltzer says, he's one of my mentors. He says that, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but it helps you shop for the things that you want. You can either shop for good things or bad things, right? So money is that kind of conduit and, and actually, you know, something that I love the way you've articulated this before is, you know, money is a currency, you know, and you talk yeah. about kind of the properties of a currency. So I, I'd love for you to kind of, because that really opened my eyes when I started to learn about us relating with money as the currency and in, in the full context of what the word, you know, a currency is. Thank you for bringing us to that. Uh, I, and I think that's one of
1: my, the core principles of understanding, right? We have these universal laws. And if we can understand these principles, these things that don't really change, we can apply them to as many subjects as possible. And one of those ideas, like you said, is a current, right? We have an electrical current. We have a magnetic current. And for the most part, they follow the same principles. The the way they work is slightly different. The conduit in which we shape them are different. The way we organize them is different, but the principles stay the same. They follow the law of currents. And so does currency such as money. Money is a currency and a current. So isn't it interesting how a river can flow and keep giving and giving and giving and giving and and for some reason not run out, right? Because it has this consistent flow, it's giving and it's being resourceful. But the moment we put a dam in it and just completely stop the water, I mean completely stop the flow, it just can't go anywhere. What eventually happens? It starts to pool and then it starts to become putrid and things start to die, right? And things can't survive inside of it. But the moment we remove the dam and allow a flow again, it gets healthy. And so it's the same with our finances. Everything relates to that law of currency. We need it to flow. so it's not about holding on to money. It's about spending money properly in a direction and the way we want it to go. The same way we flow electricity to go towards our uh, towards our machines, towards our technology and we go faster and slower and different uh, watts and things for different things. That's what we do with our finances. That's what we do with money. That's what we do with magnets. It all follows the same laws.
0: Yeah. No, it's really interesting, um, you know, and, and it even ties back into the concept of abundance, right? You know, if you think of this flow of, you know, it, it comes through you and especially as you spend money, you know, you think of like, oh, maybe that's not the most financially responsible thing to do. But what you're doing is, you know, it sometimes it takes money to make money. So you've got to invest your money in certain things for that to then return in an indirect or parallel way, you know, so understanding that there is this flow that is circulating versus it being more of a transactional decision just really kind of is is the tide that raises all ships, not only in your life, but the other people that you're interfacing with because you're giving them what they need. And in return, you're getting what you need and everyone is getting their needs met a little bit more. People don't, you know, people are not associating it and it really is just a
1: lot more simple than they're putting it. Like the way we're making it right now, it's a lot simpler, right? It's this simple, simple process. It doesn't need to be this huge transactional thing, but it is this thing that once you understand the ideas behind it, like we talk about financial financial literacy, it becomes easier and easier. And we get to share that with other people and help other people as well.
0: Yeah. And in order to to really kind of bring this point of abundance home, because I think it's hard to like really grasp from a material sense. It's more of kind of a faithful and spiritual sense of how abundance really does exist around us. You know, I know that um, you know, one of the, I guess, probably the oldest examples of abundance is just the nature of the universe, right? It started from a nut and kind of like this origin and it's ever expanding, you know, so, exactly. so what are the parallels that you've seen in terms of abundance existing today? How can we start cultivating that faith a little bit more and knowing that, you know, the world truly is abundant?
1: Yeah, you know, it relates again to also a seed. So you think of an oak tree and that's why we have the app acorns use it cause themselves acorns, right? You have an oak tree. And you take this oak tree and you get one seed and you plant it. And that next tree gives you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of seeds every season. Mm -hmm. And so having to nurture that seed, nurture that origin, nurture that genesis. Well, it's the same thing with our finances. Once again, we have this seed, we have this thing that we have, right? And we have to take it and we have to give it water and we have to give it life and we have to give it love. Right. And then once we plant it and we're start working through it and working through it, what happens? The sun comes and tries to burn it. The birds come and try to eat it, but you have to sit there and you have to protect it. And the weather comes and tries to destroy it and you have to sit there and you have to protect it. And the vines come and try to choke it, but you have to sit there and you have to protect it until it eventually grows into this giant tree that's going to give you hundreds and hundreds more of the same and so that's what it is is to start a business that's what it is to invest our money that's what it is to invest our time our effort the time the effort whatever it is that's the seed and we need to nurture that seed so it can give us abundance but by allowing it to grow and grow and grow enough so it can share before we cut it down how insane would it be to put down an acorn Um, it, it takes a really long time for an acorn to become a tree right So we wait all this time for it to become a tree. And then it goes to do its first acorn. We're like, perfect. And we cut the tree down. That'd be insane. Well, that's what we're doing with our finances. Our finances is simply a symptom of how we act in the world. It's just the symptom of how we act in the world. And so if I'm spending my money to zero, I'm probably going to chop that. It's the same as chopping that tree down. And it's probably the same as me taking um, my gas in my car and not refilling it till it gets on empty. So if I get my bank account to zero, I probably have an empty uh, gas tank before I fill it up. And I probably have no food in my fridge before I go shopping. And I probably have no underwear left before I do my laundry because money is a symptom of how we act in the world.
0: That is a super interesting thought. How, you know, we do, I mean, often across the board, we live a very responsive and reactive life right it's like oh i need underwear let me do my laundry or oh i need more money let me work harder let me pick up a second job and i think there's a lot of value to being proactive about the things that you want to incorporate in your life and it sounds like you know that is kind of one of the the universal laws we're talking about but exactly. but i i love i love the example you gave and i guess i never thought of it that way which is the exponential nature of growth and a tree right so it's mm-hmm. there's this one seed that then you you invest so much in it to grow and to nurture and to to ba- to blossom into its fullest potential, and then once it's reached that fullest potential, it now is disseminating its value and be it's the origin and it's creating the seed for that to happen time and time and time and time again. Of course, the yeah. like conversion of you know how many seeds end up growing is not necessarily you know 100, but the fact that there is this exponential to it, I think, really does suggest that. Abundance exists within nature, right? You know, this is exactly. this is a mentality. This is an, a law almost that we're operating. It is. It's a
1: universal principle that can never be broken. Abundance is a principle that can never be broken. It is a universal law that's important to understand. And that's important to understand in finances. And so now also think about this as we were doing the seed. How insane do we feel, right? When we have put it now, all we see is dirt, right? Because we put it in the dirt, we put it in the ground. And so now it's two weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks later, and still we haven't seen anything. And every day it's like, we're just watering dirt and we might feel crazy, Mm. but something's getting accomplished. We don't see the results right away, but something is getting accomplished.
0: Right. And we just have
1: to be patient in that. We have to be patient in that. And that's really, really important. And that's the part that that's where that's the difference between success. The difference between a poor person and a rich person is how many times over they're willing to do the same step. A poor person will do it a hundred times. A rich person will do it a million times.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, the idea of patience and specifically with this, you know, metaphor that we're continuing to run with, which I love is so true, right? Especially when you're describing, oh, there's one seed. Cool. That's all I was looking for. Cut the tree down. It's like, no Wait to see, like, don't, don't let these life cycles not reach their, their fullest potential, right? Like give it, give it the time and resources and intention that it needs in order for it to, to truly actualize instead of kind of limit it and that's kind of it like we have this short cycle kind of reward culture built into what we're doing where it's like oh cool got it done move on okay cool got it done move on where it's like no let it germinate let it breathe and then And some- that's
1: the one that's that's the part that's stra- strangling everyone is the short-sightedness mm-hmm. It's the short-sightedness It's cutting down that tree you know no, there's no need to cut down the tree there's no need just wait and nurture it until it you know, grows into something. And so I'm also glad we use this metaphor because that's what I, I'm trying to teach is that as we started off, right? If it's a universal law, if something is true, it's true in everything. So if something's true in science, it's true in anatomy. If it's true in anatomy, it's true in nutrition. If it's true in nutrition, it's true in history. If it's true in history, it's true in biology. There's no other way. Yeah. And so money is a symptom of all those things. Money is just a symptom. It just represents
0: all those things. Right. Which is, I think kind of where your philosophies end up, of course, you know, cultivating good habits that then bleed into larger habits. You know, it starts with finances, then it kind of expands into everything else that's going on. And, you know, you just need that kind of paradigm to be able to follow and, you know, kind of your space within that financial element. Yeah. The bridge, right. Cause we talk about financial literacy, but there's a gap because
1: we don't know why or the, how, or the reasoning or the understanding, these aren't things that were given to us. We were just told to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm that bridge, I'm that gap. Like I want you to understand the laws behind money and the principles. So that when you go meet a person, when you come across a strategy, when you come across a financial advisor or crypto or anything, you can see is what I'm trying to do following the same laws as the universe. If it's not following these basic formula- laid laws, then there's something wrong with it and I shouldn't follow it Mm
0: -hmm. because if
1: I try to, you could be the biggest genius in the world, right? But no matter how hard you try, you cannot switch baking soda for sugar and expect a cake to appear. You can't do it, (laughs) right? You can't gather a whole bunch of oranges to make an apple pie, put no apples inside the apple pie and call it an apple pie. Mm -hmm. It needs at least one apple to be an apple pie. So there's a basic formula. There's a minimum, an absolute minimum that must be accomplished in order for it to become that. But then you get to make it big and small and a wedding cake and a cupcake and all these different variances from what you learn. But you cannot change the principle. Can't
0: change it. Yeah. And it, it makes me think of creativity, you know, within creativity you start with a certain level of organization that's required. Being like, okay, here are the, you know, here's the, the sandbox. This is what you get to play within. And that's non-negotiable. When you think of our existence, you know, we, like you're saying, universal laws, there are physical laws that we all abide by. No matter how hard we try, we're not going to be able to ignore gravity. You know, these are just kind yeah. of, these are the just is of the world, you know? And that's something that we need to be cognizant of because once we know these things that are affecting us, then we can be the creator that ends up leveraging those things as they exist. And using them as a tool instead of just
1: living within them, using them as a tool and applying them to them because they're there to serve us.
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, it, uh, this is probably an unrelated topic, but something that I've been thinking about for a couple years, which is just kind of, and this is probably more tying it back into some some of the spirituality work. But um, there, there's just like this interesting observation and, and probably reality that exists, which is that you know, as humans. We can only measure and perceive so much and i feel like this idea of abundance it's very difficult to know that like you said, kind of that patience and that process. It's difficult to measure and know that in the three dimensionals that we can perceive. Yet, you know, how naive are we to think that other things aren't going on simply because we can't measure, or perceive them? You know, so exactly. I, I don't know. Like, what what have you thought about, or what what are some of your thoughts in terms of like the larger happenings around us that we don't necessarily have direct access to, but maybe through meditation we can get a little more, I don't know, insight. But you know, the the whole context around what's going on whether we can see it or not like what do you think about it yeah stuff? i
1: see i see you know th- there's this objective point of view and the subjective point of view right we just look at something directly versus trying to look at something as much in the omnipotent way as possible and um as we as we go through all these lessons and we go through all these pains and we go through all these struggles sometimes it kind of forces us to pull out of that small subjective point of view and look at the bigger picture but what i've noticed is If we just pay attention to nature, if we just pay attention to naturally what's going on around us, we can mimic those things. And that's when things become better, right? Resourcefulness. Nature is resourceful. So being resourceful. Nature is abundance. So remembering abundance and not trying to quantify abundance because abundance is abundance because it's immeasurable. It doesn't mm. need to be measured. So instead of attempting to measure it, sitting back and saying, huh, there's nothing to measure because it's all. It is awe. Yeah. And if we can sit that, back from that moment and just, we can perceive these things, resourcefulness, right? Recycling. These are all things nature's naturally doing. Mm-hmm. It's already doing this stuff. So if we can just do the same thing. Yeah. Organization, you were talking about the creativity and organization, right? So we have these set standards where we become creative. We make it this new, beautiful thing, which ends up becoming a new set of standards Mm. that someone takes and follows and understands. And then they take that and build on top of it. Think about computers, for example. I was saying this the other day. Isn't it interesting that computer is literally just a language that we invented? And then somebody was like, oh, that's too difficult. And then they built a language on top of that language. (laughs) And then somebody said, you know That's kind of, that's too difficult. And they built a language on top of that language. And then somebody was like, man, this is too difficult. And they built a language on top of that language. And that's infinitely what the internet is. It's this abundant nature, something that we never thought we could get to. And then someone blows that out of proportion. Think about the Olympics every single year. If you look at the first Olympics versus now, they were doing a one backflip and now they're doing triple, quadruple somersaults.
0: No, I love that you brought in the idea of language too, because I, th- I think that's my understanding of you know the question I asked, which is these things that you can't measure, perceive, You know, how does that... Return to your life. And I think it's you've just got to be really observant because it's trying like whatever that thing is, it tries to communicate in a language that you understand, but it's not a direct language, right? It's not like someone can be in your head and say verbatim, you know, hey, this is what you should do. But like maybe that, you know, there's a certain possibility, a certain thing that kind of presents itself in a way that you need to then interpret And it's just kind of the best bet of bringing that kind of almost esoteric or philosophical idea into your language for your introduction. And it becomes a
1: beautiful connective thing because now we found a way to communicate something that I had that was in here in my mind, in my heart, that you had in your mind, in your heart. And we were able to bring it out and try to connect those two ideas. You know, that's beautiful.
0: All right, let's get more into, I mean, I'm probably touching on a lot of your book, let's get more into, you know, some of the, the specifics, because I am really excited for it to come out. Um, I, I think <laughs> it's something that I could benefit a lot from personally, so I will. Um, but but I, before, you know, I get the chance to read that, I'd love to hear directly from you, you know, some of the details of it. Um, something sure. that, you know, I think, again, like selfishly, <laughs> I would like to learn more about is related to the subtitle of your book, which is a guide to money as a spiritual practice. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? You know, what is a, how does spirituality relate to um, you know, practicing your financial wherewithal? So
1: long story short, one time I was sitting on a couch and I've been studying finances my whole life. And one time I was sitting on the couch studying philosophy and my girlfriend was sitting next to me and we got into a little argument. She called me arrogant. And I said, I know I'm arrogant. And we got into a little argument and then I went into the shower. And when I went into the shower, I thought to myself, and at this time, I don't know why I would never use the word God or never use any, you know, whatever. But for some reason I said, God, why, what does it mean to be arrogant? Like, what does that mean? I know I'm arrogant for some reason. I know I'm arrogant. What does that mean? And all I heard, I heard this whisper in my ear that said, arrogance is to avoid one's own ignorance. And I broke down crying and I realized that every time I was arrogant, it was because I didn't want somebody to tell me something I didn't know. I didn't want somebody to be smart or something to disprove me or anything like that. I was avoiding what I didn't know, my own ignorance. And I was, ignorance, I was taking a stance in what I was ignoring. In that moment, I realized that even though I grew up poor, I grew up in the hood, I grew up around gangs, I went to prison, I had been robbed my whole life. It had nothing to do with poverty that was keeping me poor It was my arrogance because I read all the books and I went to all the seminars and I was still broke. I joined the military and I was still broke. I made $100,000 in a year and I was still broke and I couldn't understand why and finally it hit me. I read all the books, but I skipped the intros and the conclusions. I didn't do all the exercises. I was too smart for the exercises. If there was a philosophy that I agreed with, I did it. There was a philosophy that challenged the philosophy I already lived with. I ignored it. I did step one and step two, but I skipped step three and step four. And so I realized that it was a reflective practice, that finances was always reflective. It was only me keeping myself poor. It was my arrogance. It was my refusal to take these new philosophies. And I had to take every single book I had ever read. And reread them, and I refused to go to the next page until I did the task before on the first page. So rich dad, poor dad, and thinking and grow rich, and I'm greatest salesman in the world, and every single one of these books. I read over hundred financial books then, because I realized that even though I read all those books, you didn't learn something until it changes the way you act in the world.
0: So, so tell me about that process then. Of you know, if something left that large of an impression on you that it. it- basically caused you to redo all of the work that you'd previously done. You know, that's significant. But what changed in terms of your mentality and your approach? I think you mentioned the word humility. Um, but but what was that shift for you where now you were willing to be proven wrong and now you were willing to learn something outside of your own, you know, belief system. What what changed? You
1: just said the sentence actually. You just said the exact sentence. I was like I became willing to be wrong. Yeah. That's what changed. I realized that I was never willing to be wrong. I was willing to learn new things that were built on top of old philosophies, but I was never willing to be wrong. I was always searching for knowledge that proved my knowledge. And from that point on, I started searching knowledge to disprove what I knew because I realized that my actions and my philosophies got me to where I am today. And if I wanna be somewhere else, these philosophies, although they got me here, will not get me there. Mm-hmm. That's what changed. Being mm-hmm. able to accept philosophies, question philosophies, question my philosophies. And everyone says I have the answers to all the questions, but instead I started looking for questions to all the answers.
0: Crazy. I love that. Yeah, no, it, it I mean, this opens up a much larger conversation and we're going there, which is, um, you know, the idea of, I don't know, limiting beliefs almost, right? You know, that, limiting beliefs is one side of it where it's, you know, I'm not worthy, I'm not enough. And you kind of put that ceiling on yourself because you don't feel like you're capable of more, you know, there's kind of that one side of it negatively relating with the circumstances of your environment. But then maybe it's a version of a limiting belief, which is the limits that you impose on yourself based on your reluctance to grow or your reluctance to, um, express new ideas or incorporate new ideas, you know, um, but I, and I know that a lot of people, when it, I mean, you know, a poverty mindset or money mindset, you know, all of these terms come around a lot when it comes to, oh, you know, you, you know, if you believe you can make money, you will make money. That's a law of attraction. And, you know, you mentioned a lot of the books that have proven that. Um, and I feel like when it comes to a lot of people's income, there is a lot of this mindset work that I think ties back into the examples you were just showing. So what, what, what do you advise? To people, You know, if there's one, you know, I guess, beginning practice or beginning understanding for people to step into kind of a more well-rounded money mindset or, or leaving a poverty mindset, like what is the first action step?
1: So um, action step was the perfect term. And that's what I was going to say. The problem with all the mindset stuff sometimes is not knowing the action step. And sometimes knowing the action steps and not having the mindset doesn't matter. So that's what's really important. Some books or some philosophies, whatever, they're only teaching you mindset, abundance, act, you know. But no one actually tells you what to do. So I, here's what to do. There's a set of rules that every single one of us know for finances. Okay, the mindset is going to come from the practice. Mindset comes from practice. We must become a student of what we affirm. We must become a disciple of what we decide we must have. So if I say, I want to become healthy, we must become a disciple of health, right? A dis- student of, we need to learn and master these things. So here's what we have to do. We have to spend less money than we make. We have to, it, it's just a law, right? If you spend, if you make a hundred dollars and you spend a hundred and one dollars, how long can you possibly go on like that for? Only so long, right? But if you make $100 and you only spend 99 every time, every single month, even though it's only a dollar, it's continuously growing, okay? So that's just one. That's gonna help with our mindset. Two, we are ready. No, we already know to invest our money. So we need to make our money work harder for us than we do for it. So go and put $1 somewhere investing, just go do that. The mindset doesn't come till after we do it. People say, I'm too broke to invest. Would you ever say I'm too dirty to shower? (laughs) No, you shower because you're dirty. You invest because you're broke. So that can never be an excuse, right? So we need to make our money work harder for us than we do for it. We need to account for everything we have. Figure out your net worth, net worth, assets minus liabilities, or to make it even simpler, all the things putting money in your pocket minus all the things taking money out of your pocket. How much is left over? How long could I survive? If I balance those things out, how long could I go for? That's your net worth. These are the basics. We've all heard that we have to save for emergencies. We've all heard that we have to invest. We all heard never count your chickens before they hatch. So then do it. So we have to make this list of things and we need to do these things. That's the only way the mindset's going to happen. We can't just sit there and talk about, oh, I'm, you know, imagine these things and blah, blah. That's great. The universe is imaginative. It's visionary. It's resourceful. It's beautiful, but it's organized. It's organized. And it works for each other. There's a plan in nature. And so we have to have a plan as well.
0: Yeah, no, I I love the way you answered that because the, and I believe this firmly, which is if you want to cultivate new identities, mindsets, realities in your life, it starts with your own action. You know, there's kind of this feedback loop between your identity and the subconscious beliefs that you hold towards something. And then the actions that you take, if you have a certain identity, then you're going to be predispositioned to taking certain actions that are congruent with that identity. But if you want to shift that identity then you get conscious about the actions that you're taking. You change what that action is, and then that feeds back into your identity and it seeds that new identity, right? So you have this feedback loop between the two and it's no different here.
1: Yeah. And so now let's relate it to something completely different so we can see how they align, right? Because it's a universal law. If I'm going to learn the guitar, how long can I imagine playing with only my mind? How long can I do that for and learn the guitar?
0: Yeah, you how long before
1: I become a master of the guitar? Only <laughs> imagining, yeah, where my fingers are going to go every single time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can only go so far, right? So, if I say my new thing is I'm going to be a guitar player, would you sit there and imagine? Would you just stare at the guitar for three hours, just staring <laughs> there for three hours, like, all right, cool, I'm a little better today? How long would you do that for? You'd call yourself insane, yeah. Well, it's the same. The same. We have to do the same thing for our finances. We can't just look at the rules and talk about investing and all that and stare at it and think something's going to happen. We can't just look at our vision board and expect the vision board to materialize.
0: Yeah. No, I, I love, and kind of going back to something you mentioned earlier, which is, you know, the disciple and being the student of the topic, you know, and that's what you're describing with the guitar playing with your finances is, You know, you need to educate yourself, become the student, become curious about these subjects. And then once you have that new knowledge, then you're more prepared to take the proper action. So it's not necessarily that you need to change the mindset to then know the actions. It's that you need to educate yourself and be proven wrong about the ways that you think about things so that you can then incorporate new actions that then seed the more positive mindset or mentality. This has been awesome, Matthew. Um, But let's wrap it up. Um. With one final point, and it's something that was really compelling when I first learned, it was a philosophy of yours. Um, and it's kind of the the aphorism that's out of place, which is money is the root of all evil. I know that that's not true. And <laughs> you have a strong opinion on that. Could you, you know, for, for those of us like myself who believed that that was the case or that was the statement, would you be able to kind of yeah. set the record straight?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. First of all, it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil so that verse is specifically pointing to lust it's teaching about lust how lust becomes the root and one way that lust shows other than in a sexual orientation is through finances is through money but money doesn't make us lustful lustful people add their lust to finances okay And so this is where the evil starts coming from. But money in itself isn't evil, it's a symptom. If you're a nice person who gives way too much money away and you win the lottery with $20 million, guess what? You're probably gonna give a lot of your, too much of your money away. But if you're an ass and you're a cruel person, $20 million is gonna help you become more cruel. But it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't have that effect on you. We have that effect, it's a philosophy. And so money is not the root of all evil. It doesn't even say that. Hmm. The love of money, lusting for something. And actually I wanna make a point, we're gonna tie us back to the very beginning of what we said. No one uh, wants a million dollars. No one wants to gain 50 pounds or lose 50 pounds, right? We want the feeling we're gonna have when we're a million dollars richer, when we're 50 pounds heavier or lighter. The material goal is not what people want, it's the feeling that we're after. That's a real goal. So when we say I wanna be strong, what would help me feel strong? Doing yoga would help me feel strong. Going to the gym would help me feel strong. What would help me feel wise? Because I wanna feel wise. Reading books would help me feel wise. Meditating might help me feel wise. That's a real goal. So when we say I want a million dollars, no, I want to feel stable. And one of the things that would help me feel stable a million dollars. But if something gave me the feeling of stability, I probably wouldn't care about the million dollars anymore. So
0: money yeah. is not the root of all evil. Yeah, and it reminds me of the conversation we had about currency too, right? Which is, it's a conduit. You know, it's not the end all be all. It is one of the tools that you can use and leverage in order to create the feeling, circumstances, and aura around you that then are what you're actually seeking. It's not about the thing itself. It's about what that thing represents. And and that's what this whole thing is about is it's it's how you relate. It's the perspective around these different elements of our lives and and how we can use them to the the best of our abilities and and to our liking. All right, Matthew. Wow. Thank you so much. This has been an awesome conversation. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to dive deeper into the book and um, just continue inspiring and educating people on these incredible concepts because it, there's a lot of impact to be to be found and a lot of prosperity to be discovered so i, I thank you for your work
1: yes thank you thank you and please please let's do this again man let's definitely do this again
0: <laughs> awesome brother that was matthew morales aka the money mystic Matthew's guidance about how to relate with our finances comes from experience, and he broke down the truth for us. He talked about how abundance is the natural state of the universe and that accumulating wealth is no different. It needs to flow freely for it to work at its optimal state and be healthy, just like any currency. We talked about the mindsets we often carry and the value of seeking knowledge in a way that proves you wrong rather than that confirms what you already think. This was Matthew's greatest breakthrough on his path. And then we also talked about the spiritual practice, which involves taking action. Your mindset is responsive to the things you do, and if you want to improve your relationship with money, you need to start treating it how you want it to treat you. As mentioned, Matthew's book, Never Be Poor Again, is available for pre-order right now, and signed copies are available. I think the title is fascinating because, as Matthew described, being poor involves a lot more than how much money you have in your bank account, and everyone has something to learn from building a richer life. You can learn more about the book in the link provided in the description of this episode. I'm proud of you for taking action today. You listened to this whole episode, and that says a lot about what your future holds. I'm here for you every step of the way. Don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram at self.improvement.daily if you want to connect. Keep shining my star. That's it for today. And I'll see you next time on Self Improvement Daily.